Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. All right, you guys ready to dive in? Maybe? Okay, so... Brenda talked about a, uh, when she prayed for a, a biopsy that would be clear, uh, she keeps, I mean, we keep having that up on the screen because that's for me. And I, um, I was supposed to hear, I was going to give you an update this morning on my own health. And uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, back in January, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer and... Um, and so we've been, uh, and I've been undergoing tests, some biopsies, and I was supposed to get the latest biopsy results on Friday. And wouldn't you know, they called and said, pathology doesn't have the, res- the, the report for us yet. And so uh, I can't give you much of an update except to say that if you would continue to join us in praying for the results to be clear, the results to be such that... Um, that surgery wouldn't even be necessary, that would be awesome. Um, But I would also say that if the opposite is true, we are in good hands um, with the doctors that we've been connecting with. And so uh, regardless, uh, this is a new journey for us and we don't know how, how it ends. And none of us do. It just so happens that I'm dealing with something before somebody else this time. So continue to pray for us. We'd be really, really grateful if you would do that. So Brenda also mentioned uh, race relations. And let me just say again that for those of us online or in the room this morning, that um, incidents with like Duante Wright and Adam Toledo, those are in the news. Those are in the news right now. Those are tragic things that are happening within our country. But let us not forget law enforcement. When we pray for those people, we also pray for law enforcement. We also pray for police and those that are charged with caring for us. Uh, it is a, it is, uh, nobody wants these circumstances. But in our broken world, these things happen. So basically, you and I, and we'll talk more about this in a moment, but you and I are charged with how then will we live as individuals? What will we do in our sphere of influence to embrace those of different ethnicities, of different nationalities? How will we embrace those different than us? So we must do everything within our power. To make sure that the kingdom of God up there comes down here. And that we are the healing presence among humanity. So this is week number two. What is the church? What is the church? Well, just like everything else, it's important and significant that we revisit the why behind the what of church. I mean, we should be doing it with our occupation, what we do for work, our living, how we make a living. We should do that with our families. We should do that with our leisure activities, our hobbies. 
And yeah, the church is no exception. You know what happens when you turn on the cruise control of your life and expect to arrive at some fantastic predetermined destination. Yeah, not much happens by accident, right? Not many of us fall into places of success and, and places of, of influence by accident. No, we take a look and see where are we headed. We change course whenever we need to. We use our God-given abilities, our giftings. We use our minds. We think clearly. And we do all of this with the knowledge that any wisdom and insight that we have is only due because we have the promised helper. Those of us that are following Jesus, we have the promised helper that Jesus promised as he ascended to heaven. We talked about that uh, last week. That helper has come in the form of the Holy Spirit and he resides in every one of us as followers of Jesus. So what is, what is the church? Well, the church is made up of believers like you and I. Last week, we saw in Acts chapter 2 some of the highest of highs, right? You don't get any higher of an experience than when the Holy Spirit comes into the middle of a gathering. This promised helper and this incredible moment arrives with wind and fire and inspired speech. These were tangible signs that the Jewish community would have seen as having the fingerprint of God. It was an, a God-initiated action. The church was created by the Holy Spirit. It wasn't created by, by techniques. It wasn't created by, by strategy. It's not to say those don't have their place, but that's not how the church was originally created. And now, that was last week, highest of highs. And this week, we hit the lowest of loads. Two chapters later, the euphoria of the Holy Spirit coming turns into the, to the pit of despair. When in Acts chapter 4, the first disciples are arrested. And in chapter 5, they've pretty much made everybody mad. All the authorities, like, they're just so angered at the things they're saying, because in that culture, that Jewish community, what they were saying went against what they had always been taught. And then in chapter 6, Stephen is arrested and persecution and martyrdom follow. Well, I don't know what your faith experience has been like. Whether you've experienced high moments and low moments. You've experienced moments that seem to just be easy, like things just fell into place. And then other times you got a lot of pushback and things were difficult. My own experience of coming to faith, you know, in, in those, back when I was a teenager, I didn't really think of it as trauma, but sometimes with some steps back and looking in the past at what was. Making a decision to follow Jesus meant that, and maybe you've experienced this too, it meant that my family, for a moment, was, was not embracing my decision. They were, they were in the Amish and Mennonite culture, and so they didn't like the trajectory I was on because it was saying to them, they thought, that first of all, I knew better, <laughs> or saying that I'm rejecting their way of life. Maybe you've made decisions to follow Jesus and you've had to change all your friends. That's the other thing that happened to me. 
I had, to, I had to change who I connected with. Like, I was, I had a lot of friends that overnight became not my friends. So you start over. You start over. So there's loss of community. Maybe someone's in the house this morning that has experienced this, that has experienced loneliness, that has experienced rejection. Is that persecution? I'd be hard-pressed to say it's persecution. But it, it does warrant us to consider how do we respond to those hard and difficult moments of our faith journey, of our life journey. I wonder what your experience has been as you've tried to live out your faith. Did it ever occur to you that Jesus calls us to the easy way? That following him is the less difficult way? Have you ever wondered what the, why it's so difficult to do the next right thing? I had someone say years ago, yep, follow Jesus and do the next right thing right in front of you. Follow Jesus and do, look at the next person in front of you and do the right thing for their, for their sake. Why is that always so difficult? Well, before we get into the text of Acts chapter 7, I want to go 10 chapters forward to chapter 17 of Acts. Because Paul and Silas at this point, leaders in the early church, Paul and Silas are now, they're out doing missionary work. They're out spreading the gospel. They're in Thessalonica. They come into town just like they always do. When they arrive in a new town, they go to the synagogue and they begin to speak to people. Paul and Silas spent three weeks there talking, teaching, trying to get people to understand what it means now that Jesus has come. What, what shifted in their, in their faith journey when Jesus arrived? Now, some of the Jews, they were convinced about this message. Others, others, especially the leading religious folks, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they, 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 set, uh, they created a mob, and they got all kinds of unsavory characters to join this mob. And they went to the guy's house. His name was Jason. Jason had invited Paul and Silas in, and they went to his house. And on the way, they screamed out, those troublemakers who have turned the world upside down have come here to our city. Those troublemakers who have turned the world upside down have come to our city. That's what I want to talk to you about this morning. It's upside down. It's upside down. See, turning the world upside down, as Paul and Silas were accused of doing, that didn't happen. See, that's a micro, that's, that's looking at it as a mac, at a macro level. Like they were turning the world upside down, but they didn't know they were turning the world upside down in that moment. They just knew that their, their micro world, their world inside of them had been turned upside down. They didn't know the impact they were going to have, but they started at a micro level, at a micro level to begin turning the world upside down. So let's read now from Acts chapter 7. We'll go back to Acts chapter 7. And this is uh, the, the, the kind of the last part of the chapter that's, that points us to the very first martyr so Stephen has been, uh, he's a leader in, the, in, the, in the, this new church expression, new, new expression of church. He's a leader, and he is talking to the religious leaders of the day. 
and you need to go back and read the whole chapter. We're not going to do that this morning. But Acts chapter 7 lays it out, and he doesn't waste any words. His words are straight and to the point and offensive to those that are in his hearing. And so their response is that they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. Can you see it? Can you see it? I don't want to hear this. We do this a lot, don't we? If we don't want to hear, we may not do this. But in our minds, we're putting our hands over our ears and refusing. I was like that at one point. Like, I didn't want to hear the truth. I didn't want to hear the truth. So they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. All right. Saul, who we also know as Paul. Saul, who we also know as Paul, was the young man standing there. They took their coats off, picked up rocks, and began to throw them at Stephen. So, Paul is not throwing stones in that moment. But he's standing there observing. He also heard, I have to assume he heard the words of Stephen when he's speaking. See, Paul's inside world was getting turned upside down in that moment. That's what I believe. I believe he's standing there observing because not only is he condoning his, the actions of these, of these guys that are throwing the stones, but there's something else going on inside of him. See, Paul thought he was in the right. Paul had a lot of zeal. He grew up. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees, he said. He has a long tradition of religiosity. He thought he was right. Have you ever thought you were right, like fully zealous about what you were doing, and then you find out that, well, none of that was true. None of that was true. So we have to be very careful about what we subscribe to. We have to be very careful what we say we believe. Make sure that it's not the traditions of man, but it is the traditions of our faith. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he fell to his knees, shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. He is dying very similarly the way that, and speaking the, the way that Jesus did as he died. Hey, Lord, don't, don't charge them with this sin. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they do. My own faith background, my, my faith heritage is Amish and Mennonite. So the, the Anabaptist movement, right, is part of my faith journey. And 450 years ago, so we're not talking thousands of years now, but 450 years ago in Europe, my ancestors were tortured, persecuted, and killed for their faith. Somewhere in the neighborhood of 3,000 in, uh, in the Netherlands back in the 1500s. Dirk Wellams was one of those men, and he was burned at the stake. 
It's really, uh, it's really interesting when you look back on history and see how humanity has treated other humans when they don't align with the thinking of the day. Someday people will look back on 2020 and 2021 and say, it's really interesting to see. Fact is, it's pretty sad to see how people, how humans treated each other because they didn't align with the common thought of the day. Stephen, Paul, Silas, Dirk Willems, people who have stood for their faith, how did they manage? Because they turned their worlds upside down. How did they manage to do that? They had no weapons. They didn't come with force. They just came with news. Granted, it was good news, but it wasn't received as good news in that day. But all they did was talk about Jesus. It began as a micro project inside of them. Think back to the day that you said yes to Jesus. Did your world not turn upside down? Did your world not turn upside down when you said yes to Jesus? Ophelia, my granddaughter, is almost three months old. And, uh, you know, Morgan and Austin, uh, her parents, they were like they had date nights every Friday night. They went out to eat with their friends all the time. They, uh, you know, Austin uh, loves to play games online with some of you. And so they're game, he's gaming late at night. One day they were free to sleep all they wanted to sleep. Go wherever and whenever they wanted to. And then all of a sudden, they are sleep deprived. And if you know Morgan, she doesn't do good with sleep deprivation. She's exhausted. One day, something changes and the baby needs her. Like, she's the baby's source of food. Her world, their world, was turned upside down. But you know what? They'll do it all over again because they give up whatever they need to give up for the good of Ophelia. Believing the gospel is kind of like that. A world has to turn upside down before it can be built right side up. It's uncomfortable. And it's important that as we live into the, the tension, as we live into the discomfort of assimilating the truth of Jesus and like applying what we're learning to our lives, well, it's just no easy task. It's difficult work. It, mainly, it means releasing the grip right? We talk about this. It means releasing the grip and giving ourselves to Jesus. See, the early disciples, they saw the world as it really is. They saw the distinction between Caesar as the temporary empire and Jesus as the eternal empire, the eternal kingdom. 
Jesus is the true king. He's an upside-down king who stoops low to bring us high. You know, the, the way of the cross is the way of his, of his kingdom. The way of the cross is death comes before life. Death comes before life, not the other way around. And I figure, we're all going to live under some king. Why not live under the one that has proven his kindness? The good King Jesus. Macro, micro. Usually God takes the micro and makes something macro out of it. Usually God takes the micro, makes something macro out of it. Remember the, the analogy of being faithful in little and then being given much, right? Being faithful in little and then being given much. Jesus talked about the mustard seed. It was the smallest seed, but if planted and watered and nurtured, it would grow into a tree, a large, large tree where the birds would nest in it. If we take our small mustard seed of faith, plant it, water it, grow it. Faithful in little, we are given much. You can't even imagine the good things that God has in store to those who are faithful and true to the word that he's put in us. I believe that an effective, relevant church is the macro result of many micro, individual, world-turned-upside-down moments. You don't, get, you don't get macro without the micro first. So I guess this is, this is a granddaughter morning, because I also have another granddaughter whose birthday was last week. She's two years old. Eloise, Eloise is starting to say all kinds of things. And um, one of the things that she often says when faced with something that, that might, she might perceive as being difficult, she says, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's too hard. I can't do it. You know, we as adults often say, I can't do it. It's too hard. You know what? Faithfulness often ends where the road narrows and the pressure mounts. Faithfulness often ends where the road narrows and the pressure mounts. Maybe you agree with Eloise. I can't do that. No, I'm too shy. I'm not bold enough. I'm no Bible scholar. Listen. If you are within the sound of my voice this morning, whether in the room or online, you have what you need to live into the next moments in front of you. All you need is an open heart and an open mind. See, we already live in this upside-down kingdom. This upside-down kingdom of Jesus is visible in Acts chapter 7 as the first martyr Stephen goes to his death. And he says, this is the upside-down kingdom. He didn't shout at his accusers and tell them they were going to hell or they were going to, to, to create their own demise because of what their actions were propagating that day. That's not what he said. He kept saying, excuse them, Father. Cover them, Father. 
Hold them of no account, Father. Father, forgive. The first shall be last. Arrhenius of Lyons, an ancient scholar, says he was the Son of God. He who was the Son of God became the Son of Man, that man might become the Son of God. He who was the Son of God became the Son of Man, that man might become the Son of God. See, God uses unimpressive people to prove his power. Just be willing to be used. We've been saved not just from our sin, but into a new kind of kingdom. Who you once were is not who you are today. Now you're a representative of the good King Jesus. You guys, when you rep something, you know the product. So, if you're repping, if you're saying, I'm a follower of Jesus, then lean in. Get a grip on Scripture. When you rep the gospel, you're repping for a living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword word of God. So, what is the church? What is the church? It's upside down. Following in the footsteps of Stephen and Paul and Silas, we choose to become less so that God can become more. We choose to become less so that God can become more. The message that we proclaim has the power to turn the world upside down. So you and I, we get to speak speak life into every situation we encounter. I would suggest we should start shaking things up. Our world could use a good shaking and there's no better shake than the kind the gospel brings. So you don't have to passively walk into scenarios this coming week. You don't have to walk passively into situations that you know need to have your voice spoken into them. Because you, as a follower of Jesus, have the Spirit of God in you. You have the power of the Holy Spirit within you. So let's be faithful. Let's open our mouths. We have prepared a place for God to grow our faith into a church for this city and this community. It requires micro, world upside down experiences in order for the macro, world upside down experiences to occur. Small things change the world. And I'm here to tell you this morning, babies, babies turn the world upside down. Would you pray with me? Let's stand. Father, it's amazing that you contend with us humans, that your macro vision of who we are and what you're calling us to that you have patience for the little micro changes that we make in our lives. But you do. You've called us to be faithful in the little so that you can put the big inside of us, so that you can, you can do the big things that we believe you've called us to. So again this morning, Father, we just are so grateful that 
you are patient, that you are good, and that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. That the surgery that you perform on our hearts, it's a continual process. And may it always be that way for us, that we would ever be taking steps, however small they are, that we would take steps that would lead us to peace and patience and kindness and goodness that we would pour out grace as it's been poured out for us. God, we thank you for these moments together and pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family. Thank you.